Hello and welcome to the show you used to know as Baseball and Beyond. I'm your podcast friend, Brad Strobinger, and today I'm here to tell you that we've changed the name of the podcast, we being me. So starting here in 2019, we're going to call this thing Here's the Pitch. It's already been changed on iTunes. You don't have to do anything. Uh, You should still see it in your queue. Wherever you listen to this, hopefully, you've missed me. I'm sorry. I haven't been around for a while. I kind of got bored with this podcast. You got got a couple minutes before we get into our interview? I hope you do, uh, because I'm going to tell you about my sponsor, too. They're back. But uh, so just basically wanted to do uh, some more podcasting, but kind of ran out of ideas. Uh, Also had to move and uh, got married or had to get married and and moved, either or. But I had a long, fun, exciting summer of change and uh, really just kind uh, kind of lost touch with the podcast and uh, I started this thing, I think, in 2016. I know I started it in 2016, August of 2016, as I was looking for an outlet to do some more interviews and have some fun. And I felt like I had kind of done all the things that I wanted to do with it. And uh, and then, you know, when I started, I think there was only, what, eight, 9,000 podcasts. And uh, now there's about uh, 4 billion. So everyone who has a phone and a tape recorder has a podcast. So I thought, man, everyone else is doing this. I don't need to I've done it. Let's move on. But I'm back. I want to do this. I want to continue doing these, and I hope you enjoy them. I've heard from so many people, so many people. Brad, when's the podcast coming back? Honestly, I didn't really hear that at all. I heard that from a few folks, but I appreciate those people that uh, did say that to me. Um, I'm talking to you, Ben. Yes, I'm talking to you, Keith, and Eugene, all my fans out there. And uh, so I appreciate those folks. And I did look just a couple days ago at Stats. And the stats look like people are still listening to some of these. And that's a, that's a big thing I want to mention that, you know, you can go back and listen to Bob Costas. Um, there's not much stuff in there that's time dated. Everything's fairly evergreen that we used to call it in the business where you can listen to these at any time. Joe Buck. Um, but changing the name, here's the pitch. That's why I'm calling it that. I'm going to kind of branch out from the baseball thing. I think when I uh, tried to get a hold of people and I told them it was called Baseball and Beyond, they said, well, we don't really do... Uh, I don't talk baseball, you know, like I asked Brother Love to be on the show from the WWE or uh, Stuttering John from Howard Stern or Jim Florentine, former Stern guest. So here's the pitch I thought was kind of more ambiguous, uh, has a little baseball ring to it, but also could be, hey, you're pitching your book. So you'll you'll see a lot of authors on here and just things that I want to talk about. And so uh, I'll talk about uh, that in future episodes. Uh, so thank you again. I'm sorry for rambling, but uh, also a reminder, always looking for sponsors. I'll be probably really digging in in 2019 and just going after sponsors uh, or not. But uh, if you're interested, just give me a ring. You can call me. You can Facebook me. Brad Strabinger is my name. S-T-R-A-U-B-I-N-G-E-R. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to YouTube. I need 1,000 subscribers. I'm close. It's YouTube and then just uh, uh, S-T-W-E-E-K-L-Y. S-T Weekly, just like Sports Talk Weekly. S-T Weekly, my former cable access channel. I put all the podcasts there. I put all of my old videos from the cable access thing, and I'm going to be active on that in 2019. 2019, big year, big fun. And uh, you can find out all these things on my blog page where I update it constantly what's going on new, bradsportspage.blogspot.com, bradsportspage.blogspot.com. 
And lastly, you can find me on Twitter, Brad Strobinger. Very easy. So if you want to find me, there's many ways of finding me, but I hope you go subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think you'd really like it if you enjoyed the podcast. Again, I put all the podcasts over there. Definitely looking for sponsors. And I will talk about my sponsor, Masses Restaurants, uh, throughout here in 2019. They're back. Bigger and better than ever. Five locations stlmasses.com. You can find out more about them. I'll talk more about them because I've rambled here. It's time to get to our guest. And once again, I appreciate you listening to all this goofy rigmarole. I might come back on in the middle of our guest here to talk about some of these things. But uh, thank you for coming back. And now I bring on the line my friend, Gary Bennett. Hello, Gary. Brad, how are you? Oh, I'm just so excited to have you on again. Like, you know what? I think you're my first ever second guest. I tried to do just new guests every time, but I said, I'm relaunching this thing, and if I could relaunch it with anybody, it's my pal, Gary Bennett. Well, I'm honored, and uh, I hope I'm worth a damn. Yeah. So we're calling it Here's the Pitch for now on, so just so you know. Do you like the name? It used to be Baseball and Beyond, but I want to branch out a little more with some authors and maybe some entertainment stuff. If I said baseball in the title, some of these people got weirded out. So that's a good name, right? Here's the Pitch. It's kind of ambiguous. I do like the name, and it, yeah, it leaves you some uh, leeway to go some different routes, if you will. Now, are you ready? I asked if you were ready, and you said yes, and now you're shuffling. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you guys remember Gary Bennett. He was a Cardinal hero in 2006 and i always say that because i do mean it i think anybody who uh loves cardinal baseball they love when there's a guy like a cesar Cedeno in 1985 or a dan dreesen um a bo hart in years that they didn't win and then gary bennett with the the huge year in 2006 and uh and i really mean it is it every year i, I bring it up but i i always like to ask i mean is that is it fun when you think of yourself as kind of one of those classic uh, names in Cardinal history, Cause, especially because you're on a team that won a world championship. Yeah, I think, I think obviously the world championship uh, punctuating the season uh, gives me a little more, uh, gives it a little more legs, if you will, but hero in, in uh, that might be a little strong. I would say I was a, uh, I was a role player that uh, had a few moments. That's, that's about as far as I would go. Okay, well, you're my hero. Thank you, yeah. thank you. I was hoping you would butter me up a little more. So if people are wondering, I'll tease. We're going to talk a little baseball because uh, I like to have Gary on because he, he's still watching baseball as like uh, fans of us, as us fans do. Uh, but he's he's an insider. He used to play the game. He knows he knows what's going on a little more than us average fan. And then also we'll talk career. So first question, would you sign Bryce Harper for 10 years and why or why not? Ooh. Right out of the gate, we're going to get a little, uh, mm, um, no, I wouldn't. Um, whew, uh, tremendous talent, no doubt about it. Uh, I just don't know enough about the entire program, if you will, that he brings. Um, looking at everything in Washington, you know, last couple years, I don't think our are where his agent says he is as far as his, his uh, uh, how history will look back on him as one of the greatest, transitional, all that type stuff. Um, I would not. And, and, and I don't want to get too controversial and dive into too many things, but I I just don't know enough about the total package. And there's questions, I think, about about everything he brings. Mm-hmm. What kind of teammate is he? What is he doing in a clubhouse? Um, any number of things. It's an interesting point. I, I go back and forth on it. I just had a conversation today, and I said – I. You know, how many guys 
with this kind of talent, can you just lock up for, let's say, eight years? Or as I look at the Cardinals, which is a, this is a Cardinal branded show, but baseball, any team could use a guy that they can just plug in and put in that four spot for eight straight years. And that's what I see in this. I see the numbers. Now, I, I too have concerns about him running through walls and being injured most of the time. Uh, he did fight uh, his own pitcher in the dugout just a few years back. Uh, I don't know if that's what you're getting at with him, but. Um, yeah. I think along those lines, I don't know what kind of teammate he is. And, and obviously, first and foremost, you need talent, okay? But the, then there's, as we all know, there are some intangibles. There's that, that chemistry word that gets thrown around a lot, which is, is hard to, to put a value on. But I don't know of too many um, teams that consistently make a run in the playoffs or, or at the World Series or at a championship in any sport that don't have a solid uh, team chemistry, so I, I, that, that part to me is, is, is a little bit of a question mark. That's interesting. I haven't heard many people say that, but I think you, have, you probably have your own reasons for that, I would assume, with him. Um, I don't have a whole lot to base that off of, but there's, there's a little bit. I would assume. It's just, it's just question. I don't, I don't know. I, haven't, I guess you could say I have it in and around the game, and I don't know a whole lot of people that he's been teammates with, but uh, I just haven't heard... First of all, I haven't heard anything really, really negative about him, but I haven't heard anything glowing about him either, which which kind of makes me scratch my head. It's interesting. No, I mean, I don't think the Cardinals are in on Manny Machado, but I would assume if this is what you're saying about Bryce Harper, it's pretty out there what kind of player Manny Machado is. I'm, I'm assuming you wouldn't want to go crazy with him either. So uh, this, this postseason with him obviously wasn't uh, wasn't a very good ad for, for it, the type of teammate he could be but I've, I've heard different from from people that were his teammate you know and and who knows i mean i i lead more lean more toward people that were his teammate that had good things to say about him than than maybe that little who knows what the heck was going through his head with the i'm not johnny hustle and, and some of the the questionable things caught in the postseason but uh, i i have heard some some good things about him as a teammate yeah, I never, and again, I don't watch a ton of Orioles games, and it never, it didn't seem like he had any character issues until this. So you almost have to give him the bright lights pass. Maybe he's never been in those kind of lights, uh, you know, playoff lights. So who knows? But I guess really the only player that you could say that you, I mean, the only guy that I would say, give me that, give me that guy, and give me him for ten years is Mike Trout, right? I mean, I can't think of if you you could literally go through like Nolan Arenado is going to come up next. And I could say, well, you know, Colorado, he plays in Colorado. What if those numbers don't translate? And then uh, I can't remember who the next guy is. Like Goldschmidt is going to be 32, so you can probably get him for five years. But really, there's, it's really hard to do a 10-year contract, right, when, or eight-year contract it's when you don't really trust the guy. Maybe Mike Trout's the only guy you could really trust with that kind of contract, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming if you're going to go eight to ten years, you, you, you I mean, these, these, you in general, um, and these are people – intelligent people much smarter than me making these decisions but i would assume you got to be all in and then some i mean because that's that's quite a commitment speaking of long contracts albert pujols is uh still in his long one and this is where i guess i'll, I'll ask you uh, a question about your career and i've asked you this before when we worked together at fox sports midwest uh i had yes. you, i had you detail this in in person on tv but um i I've never seen a, a player have a walk-off home run and then the catcher confront him at home plate before he could touch it, which is what you did in 2003 as a Padres catcher. So Albert hits a uh, walk-off against the Padres. I think it was the 13th inning. And here's Gary. We were like, who's, who's Gary Bennett? And <laughs> what does he think he's doing? 
So yes, indeed. And you, uh, so tell me a little bit about that night. What happened there? And uh, it's a great, it's a great moment. I'll, I'll probably link to that clip so people can see it. Uh, but yeah, you, you get in Albert's face before he can touch home plate on a walk off home run in the thirteenth at home. Yes, it was at in, in St. Louis. Um, uh, yeah, thirteenth inning, a changeup up out over the plate, and he hit. He absolutely mauled it. I mean, just crushed it. Upper deck. I think Big Mac land. Um, before that was in the old stadium. So, uh, he took a long time admiring it. And, and, you know, I, I suggested at the plate, Hey, m- maybe we could start moving this along. Go ahead, take your jog, start toward first. Hey, wait, great hit. And then, you know, it was a little bit of, of back and forth and really took his time. And it, it was frustrating one. We lost, um, and seeing the way he dressed it up, it just, it just, hit me the wrong way and as he came around third base I'm, I'm still barking at him and then uh there's guys by this time the cardinals are making their way out and and scott Rowland being one of them and and yelling at me to get the heck out of there and he and i exchange a few choice words uh back and forth and then uh again with albert again and then i decided to get out of there because i was a little out, outnumbered <laughs> and Rowland's your one of your best friends is he is he Right at that point, still, yes, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. We came up through the Philly organization together, played in Philly together for a few years, so and had kept in contact. I was traded in '01, so this would have been uh, two two years later. So yeah, I mean, we we were friendly and kept in contact, and we get together and golf every now and then during those off seasons. So yeah, we were. I still consider him one of my better friends in the game. No, he, no question. What's he and doing at that time? Yeah, yeah why is he yelling at you? What is it? Just friendly yelling, or is he no, intense? No, no, no. Right, he's get. Uh, just, I don't know if, how risque you want to go with this podcast, but there, there are some words you wouldn't uh, repeat on uh, daytime TV or, or, or primetime TV. So, you know, just telling me to get the heck out of there. You know, game's over, beat it, save it, get out of here, that type of thing. I love Scott. And it was, you know, it was his teammate and their team, and it's the way he should have reacted. I love Scott Rowland for that. I will. I want to tell another Scott Rowland story in a minute. But so I have three questions off of this then. So you've just made me think of other things. I wasn't – but – First and foremost, you come to the Cardinals in 06. Do you have to have a spring training come-to-Jesus moment with Albert? Do you have any sort of conversations? We've heard of these before where Julian Tavares and Mike Matheny headed out in the shower, and they were fine once that happened, once uh, Tavares came to the Cardinals. Did you have to do that? Well, no, because it was three years later. Um, We had played against each other a few times after that. In fact, it was a week later, or maybe 10 days, the, the Cardinals came to San Diego. So obviously we played against each other then and bumped into each other, uh, you know, during batting practice. And it was, it was, you know, he, the moment done and over with macho bang your chest type stuff. It's not, not, not a big deal. It was fun. So, I, you know, I think the first time I'm in San Diego, we, we both just might've said hi and it was done and over with. And that was it when he came to the plate and you move on. Oh, I wish you would have punched him. I mean, I love <laughs> Albert, but it still would have been fun. That's not very nice. That wouldn't have been nice at all. What? So you'd have real issues playing in the game today because baseball is actually promoting bat flips and watching the home runs. I mean, you'd have to get in everyone's face, right? Well, I think I think um, it's become more uh, tolerated. So you're not exactly going to get in everyone's face unless they uh, go way above and beyond what what is becoming acceptable now. I mean, it's, it's it's it is a lot more acceptable now than it was. What was that? Geez, fifteen years ago. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Crazy. The Scott Rowland thing I wanted to mention was that um, I, I had this thing totally wrong, but the, I don't know if you remember 
In 2010, the Cardinals got in the biggest, one of the biggest brawls they've been in in a long time with the Reds. It was the Johnny Cueto kicking Jason LaRue in the Absolutely. head. Absolutely, yep, behind the plate. I remember that. Yeah, and it was obviously the Brandon Phillips Yachty thing. It's still, still why Phillips gets booed today at Bush, which is crazy. But the one thing I thought that I saw, which I was totally wrong, was that Scott Rowland and Chris Carpenter got into it a little bit because Rowland now was with the Reds and Carpenter was with the uh, Cardinals. And I thought, oh, see, Roland is there. He's just being a peacemaker. It turns out he wasn't. It turns out he and Carpenter wanted to go at each other it, from from what I've heard now from that story, that, which is funny because now what you've told me about Scott in 03, he wouldn't care who's on the – if it's not his teammate, he's going he's gonna to go to battle even if he's best friends with the guy. I, yeah, I would think so, yes. And then, and then it would uh, – you know, afterwards, maybe you go out and have a, a Diet Pepsi or two together afterwards. You know, it's, once it's on the field and it's your teammate – you know, you, you got to go to bat for him and you get caught up in it. And that's, in my opinion, the right thing to do. Scott. Afterwards, if you want to hash it out, you know, off the field away from the bright lights, I think it'd be different and you'd probably get a pretty good laugh about it. I am. Uh, I'm so glad he, Scott, comes back to, to town. He hasn't been back a lot, but just in the last couple of years, we had the 06 uh, celebration in 16. And then he threw out, I think, a first pitch this year with a bobblehead. I, I love seeing him back at the ballpark because he, he belongs there. I think he belongs in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Uh, he's a good friend of yours. Uh, and I, I hope hopefully you would ho- hold back no punches. And but tell me what you think. Is he a, is he a Hall of Famer? Should he be in Cooperstown? Yes, I think when you add everything in, I mean the offensive numbers are going to fall a little short. Uh, you know he missed missed some milestones or thresholds, if you will. Injuries cost him there. But if you if you look at the the type of player he was as a whole, everything he brought to the game, defensive, offensive, base running. Uh, competitor, um, I, I think, and obviously I'm slightly biased because I, I do consider him a good friend. And, and uh, but I said I think when you factor all those things in and you measure those up against, and I don't know if you just want to go third baseman. Um, I, you know, some folks compare numbers with a first baseman and a right fielder and a shortstop, which I, I don't know if if that's fair to do. I, I, I would more go toward you know position specific, and if you look at who's in the Hall of Fame as third baseman, and you look at everything Scotty brought to the table and what he did, I think it's a no-brainer he should be in. You know, and I, I but if you compare those those magic numbers, if you will, whatever they are, you know, obviously 3,500 are the, uh, the two that stick out, but um, he's, he's well short of those. And, and with the different metrics now, with the war and the any number of different things, I don't know how any, any number of different stats – I don't know how uh, the sports writers are factoring those in now versus before, um, where maybe three thousand and five hundred isn't three thousand hits, five hundred home runs isn't the be all end all, and now you're looking at WAR or I don't know. Give me some other ones. Woba replacement. Woba. Uh, Woba. Obviously WAR. Um, some pitch, different pitching metrics, different uh, hitting metrics. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're factoring those in much or not. A defensive run saved, I guess you could use as a defensive. Got, there you go. That's a, that's a big one. Yep. So that'd be a, another big one. And so I, I think when you put all that together, I think what eight eight gold gloves. Does that sound right? Sounds right. So uh, I would say yes. So and, and going back to uh, when you talk, just to kind of segue back to where we were, or go back to where we were. You talked about Carp- Carpenter and um, Scotty getting into it after that Cincinnati fight. You'll have to talk to Woody Williams. And Scotty about this, but Scotty told me the next day, obviously we played after the little Albert dis- uh, disagreement he and I had, 
we had a day game the next day. And Scotty told me that he and Woody Williams might have had a little wager that who would be the first one to get to me if we hit Albert uh, in that game. <laughs> Was that a plan? Uh, to hit him? Yes. That's a whole other story. I don't know how much time you have. But, oh, go uh, ahead. I, you know, usually in those situations, or I shouldn't say usually, it's not unheard of in those situations to send a message right away that you're still unhappy with the way things are going or the way things went. Um, it wasn't exactly the plan, but if, if there was a point in time where we felt it could have been the right time to maybe voice or, or show our opinion of the events, then, then we were going to do it. Well, it turns out Adam first pitch curveball hung and hit Albert in the shoulder. And then we argued again and then the bench is cleared. I remember this. I do remember yeah. that. Yes. Were you cat and you were catching? Yes. What, why, so what are we, is that because Woody and Scott had a bet and that's why they came out to argue? Well, 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 Woody, and I guess Woody and Scott were, what, what Scott told me is Woody asked, do you think they're going to hit him? And um, he said, knowing Gary, I think they will definitely come in tight on him. You know, whether that pitcher decides to hit him, who knows, hit him, who knows. And then that, I guess that's what, when they decide to make a little wager, I bet I beat you to Gary or something along those lines. This is the kind of stuff I love. I love this little – it's such a long season. You guys are on this bench together for, you know, six hours a night. You're in that clubhouse another five hours. I mean, it gets tedious and you just – it sounds like it's so much fun, but these inner little stories you guys have. um, I mean, who – like, is that – when you're talking about hitting a guy, I know it's – sometimes if Tony's in, in charge, he's going to be calling that. But I guess is it different by manager, different by catcher, different by pitcher? I mean, is it just sort of the situation dictates, you know, hey, you know, Kurt Schilling says I'm just going to hit this guy and because I feel like doing it? Is that kind of what I'm thinking? Yeah, there, there's certain guys. Well, it is, yes, different team to team. Um, and then there's certain pitchers where you know if there's something that's exactly didn't go right or, or you, you have an issue with that you knew that pitcher would take care of it. Um, then there's other guys you know you have to talk to, and then then there's other guys you knew you had to pull back and say, hey, we don't need to. Some were a little too eager to uh, hit someone in the ribs. So it did differ team to team, manager to manager, pitching staff to pitching staff. Absolutely, it differed. And it seems like it's it's gone away, too. It feels like people are just afraid to throw inside. And I don't know if it's just people don't want to brawl, people the, the money's too big. I don't know what it is, but I guess it's well, hey, wait, we he hit you, you know, he hit Nolan Arenado. We don't want them hitting Paul Goldschmidt, so let's don't get into this. Well, there's a lot of that too. Um but I think it's there's more that's become acceptable and people don't feel they were showed up, I guess, as easily. Maybe they the, the the egos aren't getting as bruised as easily, so easily, so maybe that's why. You know, whereas before, is if if geez, I remember hearing stories about from uh, guys that played against Nolan Ryan. Um, Scott Leyes, third baseman for the Twins, came up and he took a big, healthy swing against Nolan Ryan and uh, grunted. And uh, Nolan Ryan walked. This is Scott telling the story. Nolan Ryan walked down within ten feet of home plate to get the ball from the catcher and just looked at him and, and basically said, "I would advise you not to do that or take that healthy of a swing off me again." And you know. Flipped him through through ninety five or ninety eight or hundred under under his chin just for taking an aggressive swing because he was a young player. Now that's that's nowhere in the game anymore, and it really wasn't in the game when I played. But there was a time if if you were a young player, you didn't dare to go up there and take a healthy hack off of Bob Gibson or Nolan Ryan or, or 
Don Drysdale. It just didn't happen. So I think we're seeing less of it because more, I guess, more is accepted outside of what used to be. I think that's the main reason. You uh, you were talking about war and different stats, and it's very the game is very analytical now. The departments are getting bigger. Uh, scouts are getting laid off. There's more analytics. Do you, as a player, would you be welcome to seeing some sort of report on your chair every day, um, or do you just want to go out and play, or do you like, hey, let's, I'll take both? Um, and what do you think other players are thinking at this point when they when they 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 see all these, you know, I, I hate to say eggheads, but that's what they are. I mean, they're they're math guys coming down to talk baseball. What your thoughts on just that? that what's going on with baseball and, and, and how you'd accept it if it was done when you were playing. Well, we had reports, obviously not as detailed. I'm assuming not as detailed because I don't see the day-to-day reports they're getting now. But I remember, you know, facing whoever you were facing that day, um, you'd have reports. Some, some organizations or teams were a little more detailed than others, but you would know his tendencies, you know, one, two count with, Runners in scoring position, 70% of the time he goes to his off-speed stuff, you know, and, and you would have similar stuff to a hitter, you know. Pull side with, with two strikes is, is, you know, he hits the ball to the pull side 12% of the time with two strikes and really goes the other way, you know, with two strikes or blocks off, you know. So we did have 15 years ago, 10 years ago, um, reports and data every day on guys, Um now, I think now they're throwing more and more data. Um, and is it just because you have more, is it useful? I don't know. I mean, there, you can have reams and reams of information, but some of it's irrelevant, in my opinion. Um, so you can overload yourself, I think, with information, try and overthink things. Um, but but certainly, uh, I would have been open to it. Any Anything that could give you an edge or an idea of how a, a opposing pitcher is going to attack you in certain situations or opposing hitters where they're more comfortable trying to drive the ball where they back off uh, what they look for you know do they they swing 3-0 you know do they, do they swing 90% of the time 3-0 on a fastball or some guys never swing so that type of information certainly is helpful to give you a better idea but um you know the the, the card in your back pocket and, and that and wearing a uh a wristband with a kind of a, a, a like the quarterback's wear with the different plays on it. I, I don't know about that. I mean, that, I don't know. What about so, what? short answer to you, no, I would not be opposed to it, but I think a, a lot of it would uh, be noise, be, be unnecessary noise. And I, I got to be honest, I was rooting against the Dodgers just for the reason that I thought their manager overthought everything. He had all these great players, but, oh, this guy, you know, lefty-righty, I need to, you know, I want to switch that up. And then you got the Brewers doing the starter, you know, for one pit for one batter. It worked, so I, I can't. You can't get too mad at it, but it gets to the point where it's Mickey Mouse stuff, in my opinion. And I don't. I'm not an old school. I don't need everything to be the same. I like new, um, and I and I don't mind what the the Rays do, where they're like, you know what, the best three hitters are gonna, you know, Sergio Romo's gonna face them, you know. Um, so I don't mind it, I guess, but it just it does seem Mickey Mouse and overthinking. Your take. Um, one, I think the postseason, you, you got to separate the postseason strategy versus the, the regular season strategy. I mean, doing that stuff for 162 games. Um, Can I stop you, though? Because the Dodgers did that pretty much all season. He would not play Max Muncy 
at all against right hand. It just made no sense. He got well, 35 home well, that, runs. That part. So I'm saying, you know, running a, a pitcher out there for one inning and then leaning on your bullpen and doing that every fifth day or right, right, right. Or even more. I mean, that, that type of stuff. Um, and, and making the, the changes and leaning on the bullpen the way they do in the, in the playoffs, the regular season, you're going to, you're going to blow guys out, you know, and, and whether you better have, Ten more arms ready in the minor leagues to bounce back and forth and shuttle between that type of stuff. As far as lefty righty matchups and, and different stuff like that, that's that's always been around. If that is that what you're talking about with Max Muncie? Yeah, but he had him and, and he did it with Freeze and he did it with uh, an outfield. He had like five outfielders. He it just seemed like overmanaging in my like I, I don't I guess it's his team and. You know, he wants that's how, and they did get to the World Series again. But I thought they had more talent than the, you know, the Red Sox were the best team in baseball. So it, it didn't really matter in the end. And the, the Dodgers did get to the World Series. I don't, it just, I don't know if I'm Max Muncie, I'm like, come, come on, you know, or if I'm David, not David Freeze, because he's 35 and he's a, but I, I think I'm, I think you understand, especially this, these games where, oh, here comes, he's got a righty, you know, on the second inning, I'm going to, I'm going to take him out. Like David Free right. started the one, it's it and I know it was the playoffs, but it felt like Dave Roberts was kind of doing this kind of from August on. So I don't know. I'm no, just, I, think, I think some of that too, and I don't know, these are just rumblings or, or casual conversation I've been involved in, but I think a lot of this stuff is scripted to where the analytics department, the front office, the coaching staff get together, and if this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. And it's just it's a it's a script. So I think that's why a lot of that stuff you kind of scratch your head. But they thought about it beforehand and play out the percentages. And this guy gives us point five or weighted point five wins over this guy, and then that's a lot of times it's scripted and the decisions made because you add up all the percentages or weighted variables on the way they view the best way to get a win and that's what they do i uh i really i only watch uh, two things i watch uh mlb network and then uh youtube uh dave letterman old <laughs> episodes so from the I grew win- up on dave letterman I, I can't get enough of those shows well we can talk about i just uh the next podcast i'm doing is with a uh a, a man who wrote about david letterman's last six weeks it's a book it's a great book last six Weeks of Letterman is what it's called, so I should have just interviewed I you. I get that. Yeah, it's good. I just read it, actually. I read it. I bought it. I didn't even have to. Anyway, uh, well, we talk Letterman here in a second, but just <laughs> uh, I do want to ask you about Dave Letterman. But what they talked about, what you were talking about this, Dayton Moore was on. They did, a, I think it was a business of baseball roundtable, and it was Brian Kenny. It was really good. You don't hear the GMs. I, I love to hear what's going on outside of on the field. I, I like to hear this, these decision processes. And Dayton Moore, who's been the Royals GM for a long time, he's been a baseball man for a long time, has, a, has adopted this analytics thing. And, and he, he says that he sends Ned Yost a lineup every day. And I thought, oh my God, if Tony La Russa was sent a lineup, he'd just crumple it up and throw it in the trash. And he says, no, Ned Yost will look at it. Now, he might not always go by it. It's just, hey, our numbers show this is the best lineup for the day. I, I, I just my point is I can't imagine Tony Larusa going for this. Oh, I, I bet they had those conversations. It might not have been as formal as "Hey, here's a lineup. Here's what we think." Um, but I, I'm certain you know the coaching staff would have their conversation, and then maybe with uh, the front office and, and especially in, in the postseason, I'm, I'm, I would say for sure. You know, you get everybody take everybody's input. And I think Tony was very good at that. Ultimately, he made the decision, but I think he reached out and took everybody's input. You know, what do you think here, 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 here? Come up with the best uh, educated 
decision based on everything you know and 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 all the information everyone else is feeding you and go with that. I don't think Tony would have a problem with that. Now, I think if you know in certain situations, uh, from what I've heard, there there are situations with the younger managers that they're handed the lineup and this is the best opportunity for us to win and go. You know, and I don't know how much feedback or ability to change that once it comes to the front office they have but you know guys like ned or bochi or or madden or tony you know joe tory i i think it would be similar if they were managing today but they would have obviously a lot more leeway to say yes yes no yes no you know and put together the two ideas and, and come up with a, a hybrid between the two so i, I don't I don't think that'd be a problem. Okay, but my I guess now where I'm going with that, because you just sort of hit on it too, is that I think it feels like to me that the Cardinals have ch- changed with, when Tony was let when, when Tony retired. Tony had a lot of power, and it's it feels like to me that the front office wants to have fifty fifty power or even more on on things that happen during the game uh, and using the analytics. And it's possible why Mike Matheny is not here anymore. You know, a winning manager who seemingly didn't seem like he was adapting. Um, do you feel that that sense that? And do you like that where the the field manager really kind of doesn't do the same things that they did ten years ago? I mean, I I know they're there to make bullpen moves and uh, you know maybe make out a lineup and pinch hit, but and and kind of be the face of the team and 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 all that good stuff and keep the camaraderie and the chemistry, but. It it does feel like, especially in St. Louis early on, that man when Mo got you know Tony out of here, he picked his own manager. Uh, when they were talking about a new manager, once they fired Matheny, and I, I heard the names Joe Girardi or Beltran or McGuire, I, I could have made a million dollar bet saying it's going to be somebody from the staff. It's going to be Schilt or Stubby or some. They want to be in charge. So and it hey it it's their team they can do it although they haven't won in three years so i don't know if it's working but i mean do you, do you sense that too i don't even know uh, that yeah, that was just more of a soliloquy i don't even know if you have to answer that what's that i was just complaining i don't even know if that was a question <laughs> I, th- I think it was a borderline question and, and i think there, there's sometimes the impression is that that could be the impression a lot of people get and you know a number of organizations where they the front office wants to you know they're they're their say and then want more power. Um, but also guys that, you know, use the Cardinals, for example, and the moves they made. I mean, here's a guy that's been in the organization a long time, knows a lot of these players, uh, is very familiar with the front office and the, the inner workings of the Cardinals. So is it a good move? Is it a bad move? I don't know. Would Joe Girardi be a good move? I don't know. Um, you know, I, obviously they, I'm sure they looked into everything and, and came up with the plan they felt was best for the Cardinals, you know, and, and, um, you know, the other names you throw out there are, some of them are bigger names, no question, but I don't think that always means they're a better choice, you know, and, and sometimes it's, you kind of scratch your head when some of these guys, these, it's like a retread. They, they get all these chances over and over and over rather than trying some, some new blood and, and some different things. You know, I'm there again, these are people in, in front offices making decisions that are a heck of a lot smarter than I am. But, um, my thought would be if, we kind of know what we're getting with this guy and, and we don't know what we're getting with this big name guy. We've, we've heard, but you know, let's take a shot. And I, I think that's what they did. Yeah, I get it. And I get promoting guys, so I, yeah. don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, so we've talked a, a bunch, but I've never really ever got to ask you about uh, being part of the Mitchell report. And uh, so I was just curious, just kind of tell me a little bit about 
Um, you know, when steroid use happened for you, what, what made you decide to kind of, uh, you know, try this and, and give me, talk to me about however you, much you want to talk about it. Yeah, it was, uh, 2003 with the Padres. Uh, I got collision at the plate and tore my, had a grade two strain of my MCL. So, uh, I think I ended up missing about seven weeks maybe. And, um, I got the brilliant idea to try to jumpstart, or not jumpstart, I guess speed up or put into to hyperspeed my rehabilitation after a couple of weeks, which was very frustrating um, to, to purchase some human growth hormone and, and take it in hopes of healing faster and getting back on the field quicker. So um, obviously not quite on the up and up and, and as far as a competitive deal and you know cheating or or unethical or whatever you want to put to it that sure that's what it is but uh i was just trying not just i was trying to get back on the field as quick as i could i was trying to heal as quick as i could i was trying to get stronger as quick as i could and that's ultimately uh what i got popped for or what i got put in the mission report for so i was gonna say was that the only year did it continue because you're like hey this you know i'm staying in the major leagues with this i'm hitting better is, is did that happen uh, no, cause I got released from the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hit better. Uh, I actually, uh, had a, had a, a pretty rough go. Um, you know, did it, did it help? Who knows? Maybe I would have hit worse if I didn't take it. I, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have got on the field after seven weeks if I didn't take it. I, but I, I didn't feel a, a, uh, it was night and day. Like when I started taking it and, and recovered quicker and, and just, became a ball of fire. I didn't, I didn't feel that. So no, that was, I tried it. I tried to get healthy and, and strong as quick as I could. And, and, uh, the guy I purchased it from out of New York, uh, I don't know who was the FBI or somebody, he got in trouble with them. And, and I had, uh, uh, some records with him. So that's how I got caught. That the Mets, how I got named in it. Mets clubhouse guy, right? Wasn't that the guy who kind of ratted everybody or? I don't. I don't think he was in the clubhouse. Um, he would. Uh, you know what? Sadly enough, I don't really know what he did. <laughs> Benny, what were you doing? No. I. So I'm curious about this though, because <laughs> I'm just wondering how many players you may have talked to about this that did it because of recovery. I, I think everybody thinks about McGuire and Bonds and the guys that got stronger and looked like Popeye and hit 50 home runs, but it seemed like it. You know. I guess steroids more than anything, maybe not HGH, but they're all the same uh, kind of Absolutely. banned yep. substances. How, how many guys do you think, percentages do you think, was it, hey, I just, I'm not recovering from this injury versus the glamour of seeing what was happening with you know, the home run chase and how all that worked out for those guys? Oh, man, that's tough to say. I, I uh, it, it was certainly part of the game and, and um, you know, people weren't, I don't think surprised or shocked if, if teammates were using, um, as, as far as percentages, man, it's, it's hard to say, I don't, you know, whether it's, well, you mean versus what we're taking for recovery versus just glamour. Right. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm not, you know, morally exempt from the, the, the things saying I, I didn't want to see results from it too, you know, from a production side, but, my initial thought was I want to get healthy again. And then part of it was like, Hey, if this can make me a lot better player too, that'd be kind of cool. But, uh, <laughs> so that, there was no, there was part of that in my brain as well. Um, 
but it's man, it's hard to say. You know, it it'd be easy to say, oh, I just took it just to recover, but you know, that's not entirely true. Um, so anyone else I thought that be along those lines, sure, sure. I'm assuming everybody, if not the vast majority, if if they took it and they were hurt, the back of their mind they were thinking, well, maybe I'll get a little more production out of it as well. Whether it's because I recover quicker, because I'm stronger, because I'm I'm fresh every day. Who knows? But I, I'm sure that that thought process comes into play. Also, it's not. I wouldn't think it would be just recovery. Yeah, and I just to me, I I mean, I hate saying I give everybody a pass in the generation, but if everyone's doing it. Everyone was doing greenies in the 60s. If you read Jim Bouton's book, that's how people stayed. That's how Mickey Mantle got on the field. I mean, he was, <laughs> if you want to know about Mickey Mantle, he, he pretty much had to take something every day just to get up and get on the field. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I heard Bob Gibson say, hey, if they had that stuff, I'd totally take it. I want to be good at this. You know, this is what I get paid to do. So, I, you know, I don't, I guess, I, for me, I, I unfortunately, I give everybody a pass because one, it was the most entertaining baseball I've ever seen in my life, unfortunately to say. I know it's bad to tell kids. But you know what? Everyone's not going to play baseball. Everyone's not going to be a, a movie star. You just have to say these guys are the best at their game. And so I don't know. I, if I, I just I, – I would think if I played, I'd be – you know, I, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't do it, to be honest. And, and, and not to be, you know, just blanket statement that, but – you know, right. this guy over here is doing it, and he's hitting 290, and I'm hitting 250, and I'm about to get sent to AAA. I'm like, I think, or, you know, if I'm at AAA and I think I can make it to the major leagues, I'm going to take that extra bump, I think. So maybe that's wrong morally or whatever, but. Oh, it's, there's no doubt it's wrong, wrong morally. There's no question. Um, but the, the thought process, I mean, that's, that's, I think it's, can be, uh, you can understand from that perspective, not saying it's right. Not by any means saying it's right or it's okay or anyone should get a pass, but that thought process where, where you know, you'd literally, well, maybe not literally, but in theory, you would do anything to uh, reach your goal, reach your dreams. And, and you know, sometimes it's it leads to bad decisions. Well, how about 2006? I can always hear a good 2006 Cardinal story. You come over from the Nats. And uh, now you're a cardinal. You're you're backing up Yachty. Like I said, you become a, an instant hero in, in August with two uh, two home runs, two big moments against the Cubbies, uh, a walk off single and then a walk off grand slam in the same uh, weekend. But um, when you think, I mean, it, it just every as a cardinal fan, the further we get away from these things, it it really does just make you sentimental. I mean, what do you as you get back, you know, now twelve years ago, uh, thinking about that team? What? What comes to mind when someone brings it up to you like I am right now? Um, I just, I think I might have mentioned this last time we spoke, but walking in that clubhouse the first day of full workouts for spring training and just looking around at the talent, it was uh, certainly collectively, I, I hadn't played on a team that was anywhere near that, you know, and, and, and the names and, and the talent that was rolling out there. And it, it just hit me. I'm like, man, this, and obviously there were two years removed from, the best record in baseball and a World Series and, and had, had made runs in the playoffs, you know, 04, 05. I don't know if they did in 03. So I knew there was a lot of talent there, and that's why I was excited to have the opportunity to sign with them. But it didn't hit me until uh, I was stood in that lo- in that locker room, you know, before uh, the front office and Tony and, the, you know, addressed the whole team as we're going to go out for that first full squad workout and just looked around and just, just it, it smacked me in the face. My man, this is this is a different collection of talent than I'm used to being around in a clubhouse. And it, it was awesome. And fortunately it, uh, it worked out that, uh, 
through the injuries and, and everybody got healthy, at, <clears throat> excuse me, healthy at the right time and uh, to win the World Series. And obviously, a lot of that was because you keep alluding to me being a hero. Yes. So I, I did a lot of the heavy lifting. Let's get that straight. Well, you know what's fun about World Championship teams too, though, is you, is you can look at the – I have the picture and you can look at the roster and Chris Duncan and Brad Thompson and Josh Kinney, uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, now, again, I was around that team a lot, so I remember all these guys and I have my own special stories about each of them myself. Um, but, you know, 2011, I could say the same thing about, uh, you know, Arthur Rhodes or, uh, you know, Descalso and John Jay, you know, huge parts. Tell me about that the NLCS because I I guess people might forget as, as you get further away. I mean the Mets had Tom Glavin and Pedro Martinez, and Hall of Famers. Um, they had uh, you know they they had they had just a stacked lineup: Delgado, Beltran. Yeah, I mean it was Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Now of course they're all kind of in the twilight of their careers, but they were they're heavily favored. Oh, they were stacked. Yeah, Beltran, Carlos Beltran. I mean they they had. Uh, wasn't uh, Wright at third? Yeah, it was yeah. young young David Wright because he started in 05. So it's just a stack. Reyes at second, I mean at short. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they were on paper, I think going into the postseason, I think they on paper they were the most talented team in the mix. So it was what, Mets, Padres, obviously us, and who was the fourth team? Who did the Mets beat in round one? Do you remember? I'll I don't. Just, let's just say Braves. I, I don't know. No, it probably couldn't have been the Braves. Uh Oh, Mets! Who are they playing? It'll. Eh, I can't. I can't remember. It's irrelevant. But yeah, on <laughs> on paper, um, I think I think the Mets were were looked upon as the most talented coming out uh, man for man, and in, in, in the years the year they had that year coming out of the, the NL. So, um, and the Padres were no slouch either. Or no, I'm sorry. Was was Piazza with the Padres that year? I think Piazza was with the Padres. He was. You're right. Because yeah, he hit a home run or in game one. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Tell me about uh, ga- Game Seven. I I don't think baseball historians give wow. en- enough I, that, credit. That was incredible. Well, and then that- it came. This is the ninth inning has everything you'd ever want in a baseball game. If if you just wanted to watch one inning of a baseball game, top half and bottom half, go watch the ninth inning, and you've got everything you ever need. And I don't think historians ever. It, I mean, that thing could have been 1-1 through 15 innings. It could have – who knows how it could have ended. But you've got Yachty, who's never really been a home run threat. Uh, you got Wainwright, who's a rookie. I mean, these are all kids, really. Yachty's still a kid. Wayno's still a kid. Tell me what uh, – tell me about the white knuckling going on for you in that in that dugout during that inning. So, it well, it, it, it started – one, I've never been in a, in a, a louder, um, more intense setting – in my life, I mean, it, we're in the dugout or in the clubhouse, which is well below the, the stadium, as, as you know. I mean, it, the place was shaking. Um, Thirty-five minutes before game time, and you know, all the different chants, and, and it was just incredible how loud it was. And then in the dugout, once you get out there, um, you you had to literally yell to the person next to you to try to have a conversation. But as that game went on, I think soup wiggled out of a couple situations where uh, I mean, maybe a bases loaded where he got a strikeout, a ball in the dirt, or a comebacker in the middle innings. And um, so, so uh, you have Scotty hits that ball that Andy Chavez robs and, and doubles Jimmy off of first. Um, you know, he hit it and the whole dugout just jumped up and, and then we got quiet quickly and doubles Jimmy off. And then the bottom of that inning, 
I believe with two outs, it might have been bases loaded, a man on second and third, and Andy Chavez comes up. So, you know, you're sitting there like, you can't script this any better. He makes one of the greatest catches certainly I've ever seen and maybe one of the better catches in, in, in playoff, major league playoff history. Um, why wouldn't he shoot a ball in the gap right here and, and, and really complete this story? Uh, hits a ball hard in the gap and Jimmy runs it down. Uh, then the next inning, Heilman hangs a change up. Yachty goes deep. And then we're in the bottom of the ninth, and we, we well, Beltron comes up with the bases loaded, which his history against the Cardinals was another reason to, to just white knuckle it. But but the way that inning played out, I mean, it, it was ridiculously exciting, um, nerve wracking to say the least, and and and, and just you're at the edge of your seat, biting your nails, and. and talking to yourself and praying all anything and everything you could imagine was going on in that dugout. And that, that, that was incredible. The whole series was incredible going games, going seven games in New York. Um, I watched the, the uh, DVD of that about six months ago. I just was rummaging through and, and found it and put it on and just sat there the whole time and watched it. Just, it's a, it's amazing. I think you alluded to that. I don't, I don't think it, as far as the baseball historians or you talk about great games, I don't, I don't think that one, Game 7 in New York in 06, I don't think that gets a, a, enough recognition. That was a phenomenal game. I'm going to go watch it. It's a holiday season. That's what I do. I just, like I said, I watch YouTube and I watch uh, David Letterman. Again, I'll talk David to you. David Letterman. Yep, yep. You have a couple more minutes here, Benny, I hope. I do, absolutely. For you, yes. We're, we're talking about 06, and you made me think. I forgot about... Scott Rowland hit that ball to Andy Chavez. I did interview him after that uh, that spring, and he he's just so great. But him and Tony were just going at each other during that series. I'm I just curious about, you know, if you could kind of give me both sides of that. I know it's probably both their sides to tell, but, um, you know, Scott got benched, and his shoulder was kind of bummed up, right? Tell me a little bit about what it was like for those two to be kind of getting into it in the middle of a giant series like this. Yeah, that, that was a little odd, and, and th- there's enough going on to where, um, you know, everyone is, is is focused on what their preparation is to where you don't get too sidetracked about that. But I think Scotty's shoulder was bothering him a little bit and maybe had a few rough games. Um, and what exactly happened with, with he and Tony, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's unfortunate because, I, you know, obviously Tony's one of the greatest managers in, in, in the game. Uh, one of the greatest managers the game has seen, and from my perspective, uh, Scotty is one of the the best teammates I've ever had. You know, he showed up every day to play, showed up every day to play hard, uh, hustled. Um, I've, I've never heard him complain during the game. You know, uh, so it's it was odd that that, and who knows why that 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 relationship kind of fell apart. It's unfortunate, but. You know, I was. I'm guessing Tony's doing whatever he can to try to to get the team to win that day. And uh, obviously, Scotty, the competitor he is, and the, and the player he is, he wants to be out there every day. So, being benched is, certainly isn't going to sit well. It's not going to sit well with anybody. Of course, you want to play, but you know, Scotty was was toward the upper echelon of players in the league, so that that certainly wouldn't going to sit well. And that's what's so great. I mean, obviously, the team is great, the talent's great, but man, these personalities of Scott Rowland and Jim Edmonds and. Albert, you know, and Yachty, and then you got Wainwright. I mean, what what a bunch of personalities. Uh, Tony, there were some good personalities on that team. And, you know, you throw Spezio in the mix, Eckstein, uh, Dunk, Chris Duncan. 
Juan Encarnacion. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Miles. A bunch of awesome people, but personality-wise, it, it was all over the all over the place as far as different personalities. And I was like, Chris Duncan, I will tell this story real quick. It's my favorite story. Uh, I asked him about playing in the World Series and uh, just how nervous he was. And he goes, oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. So me and Shelly are sitting there the night before Game 5 of the World Series and here comes the 1986 World Series highlights, and they show Bill Buckner, and me and Shelly just look at each other, and I say, turn that off. I'm going to be Bill Buckner tomorrow. I know that's what's going to happen. And God damn it, did that ball not go off his glove in the fifth inning in right field? And he dropped the ball, and Tony pulled him right away, but he literally said all he could think about when that ball was coming to him. He had one ball come to him in, in right yep. field in game five of the of the game clincher of the World Series, and he dropped it. And he said that's all I could think about was Bill Buckner, which which, which to me, I mean, I love the guy because it, so honest. Um, but yeah, a giant personality and a big reason. I mean, he had 22 home runs in, in, in 06. So a big reason why that team won. Well, I, I know dunk doesn't get enough, uh, credit for what he did that year. Not, not only production wise, but learning to play left field on a team that was expected to, to get to the playoffs and then make a run for the world series and in the world series. I mean, he's learning a new position. He's a first baseman. So he's he's learning to play left field uh, during that time. I mean that that is, one to learn to play a new position is is difficult anyway. But you know is 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 much was expected out of that 06 Cardinal team going into the season. He's he's not waltzing in to just hey go out there and, and do what you can do. It's there was high expectations and and he had to learn to play a new new position during that time, which is is just compounds the difficulty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's something about championship teams when they win. You just remember all these guys, and, and but I want you to now. I'm going to put you on a polygraph, and there's no lying here. Tell me, oh boy. what happens the night you guys win the World Series? How, do, how does Gary Bennett uh, celebrate? Not in the locker room. What what happens after? Where do we go? What do we do? So we celebrate in the locker room, obviously, and then uh, people started figuring out where we were going to go for the party, and I don't remember, somewhere in Soulard, I couldn't tell you the name of the place. Um, Big Daddy's. I don't know. Okay. Couldn't tell you. You could tell me the name of it, and I could. I won't know. Okay. Uh, so I, who'd, I took, I had family, a bunch of family in town, so I had to get maybe my mom and dad to the hotel, and then my wife and I went over and met the rest of the team and, and some of their spouses, and... Uh, Smoked a few cigars, had a few beverages, uh, gave a few hugs, danced a little bit, uh, had fun. Did you have a private room, or did this, you guys just show up all a la carte? We were in an area. We did not have a private room. We were in an area that was kind of sectioned off, and um, I think word got out that uh, that's where we ended up, and the place filled up quick, and, and the area we had sectioned off kept getting smaller and smaller. And then... Uh, Everyone was having fun. So, and then there's no doubt about that. And then and the night ended. And then we had to get out of there and try to get some sleep and uh, got out the next day, had some, some breakfast. And I think we went to dinner somewhere with five or six players and, and wives. Uh, had a private room there. I remember walking in, um, I think it was five of us, so, so 10 total, five of us and our wives. As soon as we walked in the restaurant, the whole place stood up clapping and, and you know cheering. It was it was the next couple of days in St. Louis were awesome. 
Who, who sets, didn't, have to pay, didn't have to pay for a meal, which was kind of nice. I was going to say, who, well, who sets up? Who decides where you're going? Who picks the place? I want all these. You've, you've almost failed this polygraph. I feel like there's more to this story, but go on. Who said who, who, but who's, now, Wait a minute. Just because I don't give all the details doesn't mean I'm lying. <laughs> no, it's I, good. I'm going to fail a polygraph that way. No, you're smart. Uh, I trust me. I you're, you're, a vet, you're, a, you're a longtime veteran, so I know that you know all the rules. But yeah, who, who, who's like spearheading all the. Jimmy was around for a long time, so I got to believe Jimmy's got to be part of this. The first, the dinner the next day, I think Carp put together. Oh, no, no. I'm talking the night, you know, the, 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 the fun night, not this dinner with the oh, wives crap. I think Jimmy was the <laughs> spearheading the location to, to hang out. Yes, okay. I believe that that is accurate. I remember, so that night for me as a fan, and I worked there too, but it was, I'm always a fan first. I, I did not want the night to end. I mean, I, I was so mad that it was 4 a.m. and people were like, I think I'm done. And I said, no, this is, this may <laughs> never happen again. This is the only time I may, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little mad. So it was at four in the morning. I thought was, was, was fine, but I still could have gone a little longer. It, I, t- I tell you, I was, I was disappointed. I, I think. They closed the place down a little earlier than I would have liked to as well. I think the crowd started getting a little too big, um, started getting a little too much attention there. And I, I want to say some of St. Louis finest showed up and, uh, because of the crowd and, and some of the stuff around there that they had to usher us out of there a little earlier than we wanted to as well. We're, we didn't, we didn't quite see the sun come up, but we were close. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I wanted to see the sun come up. Um, yeah. So what kind of where does that rank as like nights of your your life? I know obviously having kids, being married, you know the the, the main ones. But where with what with that night? What is it? How does it? So for me, I know where it ranks for me. I didn't play on that team, so I, I'm just a fan. <laughs> but it's huge. Where does it rank for you? Well, it, it's got to be. You know, you mentioned you know having kids. Obviously, is is I, there's nothing greater. Um, getting married, I have to say that is up there as well. I guess in case my wife hears this. She still puts up with me, so I'll, I'll put that out there. But it's it's certainly right behind anything great that's ever happened to me and my family. It's it's right below that, and it's it's you think about it, as long as I can remember. Um, some of my earliest memories are playing catch with my dad, uh, watching baseball games, um, wanting to play baseball any chance I could get, wanting to get a chance to play professionally, and to to. To have all that come, and obviously the backdrop of that is always when you're playing wiffle ball and you're, you're talking about Game 7 of the World Series getting hit as a you know, seven, eight, nine year old in the neighborhood, and to actually have that happen, it, it's tough to put into words, but if, if I often say if I take all the holidays, all the birthdays, all the really cool things you have growing up and bottle those together, um, it's, it's still better than all that. I mean, it, the feeling is just incredible to finally reach that, that pinnacle of of everything you thought about as, as early as you were able to start thinking about it. You know, how much you really love the game, playing catch with your dad, playing wiffle ball, running around the neighborhood, playing a pickup games, right field closed, and then to actually be on the field watching the fireworks go off with your teammates. You just won a World Series. It's, it's incredible. For for lack of a better word, it was absolutely incredible. Now, is it sad that I take as much joy in it as you do? Absolutely not. <laughs> it was. I mean, it really did. It, both the twenty the twenty eleven thing is just 
they're they're all different too. They're like my children. Like, which one do you like more? Why I the 2006 team? I know all you guys. You, I mean, I I had to be part of that with you guys because I, I travel. Not that I was on the team, but I was. I went on every road trip with you guys. So I, I and I see you guys come back for these things, and I love it. The 2011 team. I was around that team a lot too, and different guys, different personalities, but still, uh, the way that team won, it, it's just. You know, no teams win the same way. I mean, the Red Sox have four of these now this 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 millennium, and they've all been different. So, um, God, it's baseball's fun. I tell you, I love it. I hope they win oh. again. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, one quick story for you. So I'm going to ad lib a little bit. So you asked about you know Machado and um, Bryce Harper, and we talked about some of the the intangibles, the variables that come into play. What kind of team are they? And obviously, the talent on the field is is unquestionable. You know, they have that. So. Cardinals, uh, new acquisition this winter, Goldschmidt. So I'm in Phoenix with my son's high school baseball team on their spring break last year. And we had an early game in the morning and they had the afternoon off. And I, I reached out to a few folks I, I played with and against um, with the Diamondbacks that are on the coaching staff. We're in the front office now. And, you know, the Brewers, broke, there were a lot of teams that broke camp. So I told them, hey, we got some downtime. Can I bring the team over? Let them see the facility, maybe watch the guys work out a little bit, just, just to see the complex. I'm like, absolutely. So we go over, and uh, Dave Magadan is the hitting coach. He was my hitting coach in um, Arizona. Uh, Dave McKay's the first base coach, obviously. So, uh, and Everybody's named Dave over there. Mike Bell. So oh, not, not, He's got a brother named Dave, though. Okay, right, uh, David Bell, sure. <laughs> Mike Bell's in the front office, and, you know, Tori Lavella was a teammate of mine. He's a the manager there. So I, I reached out. To the, so I go over, and they all come out, and we chat a little bit. They talk to the guys. Uh, uh, Dave McKay was great, man. Spent 15, 20 minutes with the, with the team, talked to him. You know, Mag talk, Mag's talked to the team. Mike Bell talked to him about the minor league side, what they look for, player development, scouting department. And then Mags goes, let me go in the locker room and, and see if any players will come out. I said, you know, this is probably 12.15 now, and they're getting ready for a 1 o'clock, 1.10, whatever, the uh, spring training game. So I tell the Mags, don't, don't bother them. They're, they're all getting ready. He goes, no, 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 I won't be a bother. Let me just run in. Who do you think the first player was to come out and talk to the guys? Zach Greinke. Nope. <laughs> Give me another name. Uh, Jake Lamb. You're playing along so well. <laughs> no, wrong. Nick the, Ahmed. The newly acquired... St. Louis Cardinals first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a Cardinal now. I don't even think of him as being a D-back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So he comes waltzing out, and obviously the kid, everyone knows who he is. You know, there's 45 minutes before a game. Doesn't know me at all. You know, all Mag said is, Magadan said, hey, you know, I was out there with the team and gave him a little story about I played in San Diego and he was a hitting coach. So he comes waltzing out, and Mags introduces me to him. I thanked him for coming out and said, you know, the team – we're in for five, six games over the next seven days, and they have a little downtime. I just wanted to come see the complex, you know, dream a little bit. He walked over and stood around, what was it, 20, 25 kids, stood there and talked with them for 15 minutes, fielded every question they had, asked them questions, and and arguably the biggest name on the Diamondbacks roster at that time, maybe maybe Granky, but Goldschmidt's right there. Of all, of all the people that could have said, no, I'm busy, I'm trying to get ready for a game, and, and kind of use his prestige – he didn't, and it it was so awesome that he came out. And I was a fan of his anyway as a, as a player, and 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 just a obviously a huge fan of his now after watching him do that when he didn't have to. So 
seeing the Cardinals get him fires me up. Obviously, he's a great hitter, but but my interaction with him is he's equally, if not more, a better person. I I mean, this no one cares my opinions, but I do have a podcast that maybe five six. Maybe 10 people listen to. Actually, no, they get some listens. I, I hate to give myself that way. Anyway, uh, out of the three guys that you could have gotten, Manny or Bryce or Goldschmidt, this is the one I wanted. So uh, I'm fine. Get, hopefully they sign him for five years. I just – this is the one guy I wanted to get. Now, I wanted to also – in 2016, I really thought the only guy I really wanted to get was Dexter Fowler. That yeah. hasn't worked out as well. But uh, there's no doubt this is a – He's a, he's a perfect cardinal. He just reminds me of I Matt. Agree. He's going to be like Matt Holiday here. He's going to love it. Uh, hopefully, they can just work out something before the All Star break or whenever. Maybe spring training and you know, just get it done. And what you know? What, how do you want to retire? You want to stay here your whole career? Just get him. He just he's perfect. He checks every box. You need a three hitter, a first baseman, a good guy. Seem you know he's from Texas, but Midwestern feel. So Wait. yeah. Yep. Plays the game hard. I mean, man, I, I agree. I think it's a great pickup. I'm fired up about it. What do you think of these 2019 Cardinals as we wrap up? I'm sorry, Benny, we went long again, but, uh, you know, you're, you're enjoying this, right? I hope, yeah. What do you think of the, uh, do, you, do you keep, you, you keep your mind, you keep your uh, eyes on the, uh, on the cards, right? You're still watching. What do you, what do you think? I, I do last year, not as much as I wanted to, you know, Jason, my now senior and sophomore round with their, their summer schedules was, was a full-time gig, but, um, you know, hopefully Fowler bounces back. He could be, you know, get him back right again is would be huge. Uh, the addition of Goldschmidt is, I, I think, beyond huge. Putting him in the middle of the lineup, uh, anchoring that. Um, some of the, the young arms, you know, are, are obviously getting more and more experience. So they should continue to improve. So there, there's a lot to look forward to, in my opinion. Keep everybody healthy. There's a lot to look forward to in 2019 in St. Louis. I'd like one more bat and one more starting pitcher and one more reliever. Exactly what I asked for last year. Uh, I wanted two of each of those, and they only did one, and they didn't, they didn't, they won 87 games. They won enough games. So I, I want another bat, a big one. I want another starting pitcher that can give me 30 games, and I want a reliever that can uh, shut down people. But I, I don't think they'll do that. I don't know why, but that's me. Well, if, if they do, those would certainly be nice to add to the mix. Well, they have the money, is what, I, what I'm told. So lastly, we said we'd talk about Letterman for just a second. So, um, yeah, tell me you know, your, your thoughts on David Letterman. But here's what I, I – I got really upset that Dave – when he had his heart surgery back in like 03 or whatever, it, he changed and wasn't as fun. It seemed like he was more biting and mean, especially in the 80s and 90s. Like, like you know, Cher came on and – called him oh. an asshole and it, it just he he didn't seem it, it was the anti-show your thoughts on, on mr letterman um i bet i probably stayed up a little too late uh, a few too many nights as as a young person going through school but uh man i, I probably watched his show three four nights a week i don't want to say all, all five but i i absolutely loved it when robin williams was on his show i, I would sit there by myself crying i laughing so hard and uh i'm gonna so he's doing i haven't had a chance to what what's he, he's netflix he's got some uh interviews he did i think the first one was with obama i'm gonna go back and and, and when i get some downtime here after the holidays try to watch all those but i absolutely love the david letterman show even now because here's my thing the netflix thing eh not not so good a little it's only okay yeah I haven't seen it yet, so now don't don't. Uh... If I were you, just turn on the game seven of the two thousand six NLCS and watch that. 
No, I, I just for me, I'll I, never get old. That'll never get old. No, I won't. But I'll tell you, for as a fat little kid, and I'm not, I'm a fat little adult. But as a ten year old kid, I, I got a VCR for Christmas one year, uh, probably around ten years old, and I would record every night the show. I had it on a timer, and I'd come home from school and I'd watch it. I'd eat my four hot pockets. Uh, pepperoni pizza hot pockets and I'd watch Dave. So it was like 87, 88. So, I mean, I, I was obsessed because it just, what I liked about Dave was like, he, he would talk to someone off camera, like the producer and he would, yes. and things would go wrong. And I guess as a 10 year old, I kind of knew I wanted to get into broadcasting because I'm like, well, I've never seen any, like Johnny Carson doesn't do that. He doesn't talk to someone off camera or he doesn't, Look at Paul and go, wow, this is a terrible show or what a terrible audience. That's I knew at ten years old that was something different than I was seeing versus Johnny. I couldn't I couldn't wait for the top ten lists. Uh, I always loved when he went. What was it next door to the the uh, the little deli? Rupert G. Yes, I met yep. Ru- I met Rupert. That was always enjoyable. And then uh, yeah, that that a lot of fond memories sitting there watching that show. Well, Benny, we did this disappointing. L- disappointing, you're telling me the Netflix one is only okay or maybe not even okay. I'll let you. That's disappointing. I'll tell you what you uh, you know. We keep in contact throughout the year. I'll text you and see if you've watched it, or text me when you see a first a few. A few oh, excuse me. I just got tongue tied. Easy for you to say. Few, yeah. whatever. I don't, text me when you've seen a few of them, and then let me know what you think, or I'll I'll keep on you. It just is a little dry and a little boring and. I, I just feel like Dave's gone for a money grab. I know it, what what I get the sense was is he retired or he announced he was going to retire and then decided I, I didn't. Why am I retiring? I didn't want to retire. So yeah. uh, that's just me. But we'll we'll keep in touch on that. We do this every December. I want to do it more often, Benny. Thank you so much. Always always a pleasure. Have a great Christmas out well, there. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me and uh, Merry Christmas, Brad. All right, buddy. Once again, my thanks to Gary Bennett. Man, the guy has a ton of stories. And that was fun to talk to Gary Bennett. So once again, I remind you that the the show has changed names. Here's the pitch. Definitely a lot of baseball talk still, but I'm going to continue uh, branching out and talking to other people about other things uh, that interest me because that's what I want to do. It's my podcast. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. You don't have to listen. That's that's uh, the thing. I want to thank my sponsors, Masses Restaurants. They're with me true and true. Had my rehearsal dinner there. I got married in August. Thanks for the congrats. Thank you for all the gifts and cards, everybody. And uh, we went to Masses for our rehearsal dinner, and we had a lovely time. So they do that. Uh, five locations, stlmasses.com. You can find out all their locations. You can look up their menus. What are you feeling like? You feeling like pasta? They got it. You feeling like a steak? A little beef pepe? They got that. Cajun pasta? They have fish. They have seafood on their menu. Great apps. I love their toaster raviolis. Masses restaurants. You've heard me talk about them. But again, I just wanted to uh, thank you for uh, bearing with me if you've been waiting for the podcast to come back. Such such goofballery here. But uh, it does seem like there is a little bit of a following, so I appreciate I, I mentioned some folks earlier. Uh, Nick. Nick is a big fan. We thank you, Nick, for listening. You were listening in Australia for, for months, and now you're back in St. Louis. So welcome back. You and your father share these uh, these little stories, so I appreciate that. And once again, just if you don't mind uh, listening here for two more minutes, my YouTube channel, please go subscribe. Please tell other people to subscribe. It'll help me. It'll help you be entertained. YouTube.com, and then just go to ST Weekly. Just put that in the search and just hit subscribe. Just All you have to do is log into your Google account or create a Google, Google account and uh, type in S-T-W-E-E-K-L-Y, S-T Weekly, and that's where you'll find out 
how to subscribe or you can subscribe and then look back at all kinds of stuff. I'm putting old high school videos in there from the uh, prep sports show they used to do in the uh, mid-90s, early 2000s. So you can see some uh, Justin Tatum highlights, uh, Jason's dad that got some play. Uh, but also putting up old interviews that I've done, new interviews that I'm going to do, and I'm, I will be active putting up new video during the Cardinal season. Uh, I'm going to try to make it uh, baseball-encompassing over there, but uh, hopefully you've checked out my YouTube channel and then sponsors. We're always looking for new sponsors. We love masses, but there's plenty of room for more. I can just digitally insert new ads into old episodes so people who want to go back and listen to Joe Buck, they'll hear me talking about your car dealership They'll hear me talking about your insurance place. They'll hear me talking about your mortgage place. So hopefully we have people interested in that. I thank you for listening and continue to subscribe to YouTube and and, and putting great reviews up on iTunes. That helps as well. Thanks for listening to Here's the Pitch. We'll talk to you soon.